Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, January the 9th, 2022. It is currently 3.18 p.m. Central Time. And once again, I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And once again, I've turned on this microphone with this feeling of what am I doing, frustration, irritation, and confusion. And and that happens a lot. So I can say once again, because you've heard me many times turn on this microphone and I just expressed to you my confusion and my frustration and my feelings. Those feelings are very strong today. And the reason why is once again, we are turning our attention to the subject of the state and the church or church and state. And once again, we have to look at Romans chapter 13. And every time I hear anyone within Christianity talk about Romans 13, in 20, well, th- this was true in 2021. It was really true. It's really been true for since, for the last couple of years, really, uh, really since the beginning of the pandemic is, is really when I started seeing a major shift, a major change in how Christians talked about Romans 13, how they interpreted Romans chapter 13, and how they were dismissive of Romans chapter 13 or magically found a way to just say it's no longer applicable. So really, this this has been building for the last few years. And once again, I find myself sitting here going, we have to talk about Romans 13 again. And, And I don't really want to talk about it because I've just grown tired and have grown frustrated and dealing with it. And maybe... Maybe that, maybe that's a wrong attitude. I look, I'll be the first to admit that maybe my attitude is not the best, but it, it's really what it's, it's, it's I'm just going to be honest. It's just the way I feel. I don't want to talk about Romans 13. I don't even want to teach on Romans chapter 13. We're currently in Romans chapter eight here at Victory Baptist Church. And I don't know how long it's going to take us to get to chapter 13, but whenever we get there, I'm going to be just like, well, this Sunday, we turn to Romans chapter 13, and, well, we're just going to skip it. I, that That's literally what I feel like saying now. Now, hopefully, my attitude changes by the time we get there, but it has grown to be a very frustrating topic, and I guess part of the reason it's just grown to be so frustrating is it just seems so disingenuous, so honest, that all of a sudden, when when we get put in a possibly difficult situation, not even really that difficult, we get put in a maybe somewhat of a frustrating situation that all of a sudden, magically, we find a way to get around Romans chapter 13. That, that just, there's just something, it just feels off about the entire situation. I know you don't agree with me. I look, I know most of you, there's a large number of you, you don't agree with me. And there, and I know there's some of you, you don't even want to hear me talk about Romans chapter 13. You're tired of hearing about it as well. You're frustrated about it as well. But we have to continue to talk about it because really it comes down to hermeneutics. It really comes down to at 
at what point in your Christian life can you just find a way to say that passage doesn't apply? How, at what point in your Christian life, when you are confronted with scripture and it seems to be telling you, you need to do something in a situation that you don't want to do. At what point can you just magically say, oh, time out. We've got a new way to interpret it. And we can now throw out Romans chapter 13 or whatever chapter or whatever verse it may be. And it just seems like church church history is filled with Christians doing just that. Oh, wait, the Bible seems to say a woman can't be a pastor. Well, guess what? That's not applicable. Paul didn't really mean that. We misunderstand that. We misinterpreted it. Throw it out so women can be pastors. Wait, the Bible seems to condemn homosexuality. Wait, that's not what it really says. Throw that out. Wait, the Bible seems to say a wife should submit herself to her husband. Wait, nope, that doesn't apply. Throw it out. Wait, the Bible seems to condemn divorce. Wait, throw that out. Just go on and 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 on. But then there's always though, like those things can happen, but there's always other ways. Like, no, 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 no. You can't touch that one though. You can't touch that one. These you can throw out, but that one you can't throw out. And it just seems so dishonest, so arbitrary, so just like pick and choose whatever you want. And I just, I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm just tired of it. I'm I'm tired of, of fighting about Romans chapter 13, but I have to remind myself, it's not fighting about Romans 13. This is not about the pandemic. It's not about politics. It's not about culture. This is about hermeneutics. So we have to, whenever people are handling the text in an incorrect way, we have to once again do our best to consider it. And, and I guess I guess here's what frustrates me. What a lot of people do is when someone says, well, says something about a text, they'll just say, well, you're wrong. This is the correct interpretation and move on. But I have a tendency to always stop and go, okay, let me consider carefully your position, let me work through it step by step, hour after hour, week after week, month after month, and let me go back through it all again. I Sometimes that gets frustrating because you're just like, oh, I don't want to work through it again. But that's just a bad attitude on my part. But here we are. Now, let me explain what happened. Free Grace Broadcaster, a great publication. Everyone should subscribe to it. Everyone should get it every time it comes out. Their latest issue, I don't have it currently in front of me, but it is entitled, I believe, State and Church or Church and State. And it deals with all these issues pertaining to the church and the state, the relationship between the church and the state. And they have a number of articles in the issue dealing with this, all all coming from people within church history. And I thought, oh, this would be very good. Let me tell everyone about it. Let me uh, provide a link to it. And if you go to theologycentral.net, there will be a link. Everyone can go download it and read it for themselves. And maybe we'll talk about some of the articles. Maybe we'll work through some of the articles. And the, and the very first article in the, the latest uh, ep- issue, I was going to say the latest, latest episode, the latest issue of the Free Grace Broadcaster is uh, a quote from the first paragraph of the London Baptist Confession of Faith, which deals with a civil magistrate, civil authority, and being placed there by God. Some of the basic, basically, it, it's very much in some ways a summary of Romans chapter 13, verse 1, which reads like this. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. 
The powers that be are ordained of God. It really kind of expresses that, but in the words of the London Baptist Confession of Faith. So I was like, okay, let's look at that. Maybe we'll mention Romans chapter 13. And somewhere in the middle of that, I don't remember the exact timeline, I get an email from someone saying, hey, here's an article that would relate to what you are talking about, that would give maybe a different perspective. And, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, awesome, because I love when people engage whatever I'm doing and, and participate in emailing me. And I love when people send me links to different things to watch or to listen to or to read. That may provide a different perspective because I like to be challenged. But I wasn't necessarily excited that it was going to be an article about Romans chapter 13 because it just feels like I've been constantly arguing about Romans chapter 13 again since the beginning of the pandemic. Well, I, I get the article and it is called Romans 13, reading an abused text of scripture rightly. And I'm like, oh, here we go. So it's going to be like, everyone's out there abusing Romans 13. Here's how to read it rightly. Well, who, who, who are the abusers? Who, who, who are the abusers? Because everyone Every pastor, every church that quotes Romans 13, none of them believe that they are the abusers of the text. They all believe they understand the text correctly. They believe that they're right. And anyone else who reads Romans 13 in an incorrect way, they are wrong. Which again, just becomes frustrating because at some point it's like, what's what's the point? Hey, this is what's going on in culture today. Romans 13. How dare you quote Romans 13? You're abusing the text. That's not what it says. And you're like, well, wait a minute. What are you doing? You're abusing the text. And well, here we are, 2022, 2,000 years into church history, and we cannot figure out how to interpret Romans chapter 13. And I would have to raise this question. Is the problem in interpreting Romans 13 due to something in the text or is it due to something in the culture? What's leading to all of the different interpretations to Romans 13? Did the text change? Did we find a new manuscript? Did we realize there was a major textual variant? Did we, Or did something happen in the culture? And I will tell you and argue once again that what changed was something in the culture. The pandemic hit. There were mandates. There were requirements. They were like, do this, do this, don't do this, do that. And all of a sudden people were like, Romans 13 doesn't apply. It, it, it's almost like this is how we read it. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers except in America in 2021, 2020 during a global pandemic. That's when you can throw out the rules. At any Look, if there's ever a time to throw out the rules, it's got to be during a global pandemic. I cannot think of a better time to say, you know what? I am not going to listen to the government. I'm not going to submit to the government than during a global pandemic. That's got to be the optimal, opt, optimal time to do so. I mean, and now, yes, I'm being a little bit sarcastic, right? Like, hey, when everything's falling apart, that's when we shouldn't listen to the government. Now, others would say, no, 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 no. It's when the government oversteps their boundaries. That's when you have to, that's when you have to rise up. But why are they overstepping their boundaries? Well, they're overstepping their boundaries because boundaries grew in the middle of a global pandemic. 
you point that out, you you already know what the pushback's going to be. The, the pandemic is overhyped. It's a lie. It's a conspiracy. People aren't really dying. Hospitals aren't really full. Well, then immediately you're like, so we're not debating Romans 13 anymore. What we're now debating is how we should view the pandemic. From, do we do we listen to this? Do we listen to this? Do we look at it from a conspiratorial standpoint? So now we're no longer even talking about Romans 13. And that seems how every conversation goes. Hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So don't you think we should consider Romans 13? No, we shouldn't consider Romans 13. The government is overstepping their boundaries. Well, why could they possibly be overstepping their boundaries? Are we not in the middle of a pandemic? And look at how many people died. No, it's not real. Okay, well, obviously, if you don't believe the pandemic is real, anything the government does is going to be looked upon as an overstepping their boundaries because you call into question the pandemic. So maybe instead of debating Romans 13, we debate the legitimacy of the pandemic. Because nobody really cares about Romans 13. It's just, it's maddening. It's, it's just this crazy thing. But again, let me make sure. I, I, I want to really make this very clear. The issue is, and this is so frustrating. The issue isn't Romans 13. It's what's happening in the culture. And because we don't like what's happening in the culture, we then don't want to be bound by Romans 13. We want the ability to rebel or not follow the, whatever words you want to use, resist, rebel, not follow the rules, whatever words you want to use, we want that freedom and ability to do that. And we don't want to be bound or restricted by Romans 13. That can't be how we do hermeneutics. But always, you can always count on someone will work really hard to make it sound as very spiritual and as very hermeneutical as possible to give you reasons why you don't longer have to follow Romans 13. And so here's what happens. People get upset about the situation. They, they get online. Let me find someone who tells me I don't have to obey Romans 13. Let me find that. Pre- okay, that preacher says I don't have to follow Romans 13. That's the best sermon I've ever heard. That's the best sermon I've ever heard on Romans 13 because it shows you how it's not applicable today. That is an amazing sermon. And then those who are like, wait, Roman, doesn't Romans 13 apply? Let me find that sermon. Oh, there it is. That's the greatest sermon I've ever heard because it shows you why you should follow Romans 13. So then it just becomes like a golden corral buffet. Just go through, oh, wait, what are you serving? We're serving obedience to Romans 13 and that you've got to submit to the government. Oh, I'm sorry. What's, what's that over there? Oh, that's, that's, you don't have to follow the government because the government is in violation. So Romans 13 doesn't apply. I'll take two plates of that. I'll take, and, and, and maybe a, an, an extra side dish of that with, and cover it in chocolate. That, that is what this has turned into. And it's so, I sit here and I'm like, well, what, what do I do? What do I do? So we've been working through this, this article, Romans 13, reading an abused text of scripture rightly. And I, I don't know if anybody even cares anymore, but we still got to talk about it because we're, I guarantee you in 2022, we're going to face even more issues where the church is going to become more and more divided because nobody can understand. Like, it's just bizarre. The church can't agree on our, on the scriptures to know what to do. It's like, there's the world. They don't know what to do. They look to the church. And what do you find in the church? Don't obey Romans 13. Obey Romans 13. Romans 13 doesn't. Da, 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 da. And they're like, okay, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. We thought you guys had some answers, but you guys can't even figure it out. And you know how discouraging that is? Hey, we've got the answers. We've got God's word. 
well, I mean, we don't really have any answers because we can't agree on what the answers are. And yes, we have God's word, but we can't really agree on what it actually means. So we don't really have any answers for you. Uh, you just pick the church that gives you the answer you want, and then you'll be good to go. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's maddening. So we, we work through, we've worked through this article. And the first thing, they kind of give us an introduction, and then they give us historical context. And, and, and a roundabout way, the article is somewhat at times frustrating because it's like, it, it, it kind of goes back. It, at times, it just won't, it, it doesn't seem to be as dogmatic as I would like it to be. Maybe by the time of the article, we'll get a dogmatic conclusion. But basically, it goes like this. If we look at the historical context of Romans, we will find that Romans was written, I see, where do they say? Let me make sure I find the year here. Uh, around 57 AD. And so because Romans was written in 57 AD, this would have been uh, during the time of Nero before Nero started persecuting everybody. So what we need to do is we need to understand Romans 13, not in light of submitting to a bad government, but submitting into a, a good government, a government that's not persecuting Christians, right? So this is only, so, and not only should we see it that way, that this is really applicable to the people at Rome in 57 AD, doesn't have really anything to do with what our situation. It's just for them. Well, we found a couple of problems with this. There's a number of other scriptures that, that articulates the exact same principle of submitting yourself to the earthly authority. That was written after 57 AD, written maybe in the 60s, or in or as, as we, we looked in uh, what, 1 Peter, while, they, while Christians were being persecuted, but the same principles were still put forth. So if the same principles are put forth in other scripture, they tells you to do the exact same thing written during a time when people were being persecuted, then that doesn't mean you can go to Romans 13 and say, well, that doesn't apply because it was at 57 AD and persecution hadn't broken out yet. And that this has nothing to do with us. That doesn't work. At the same time, what appears to, to be happening is that the article wants us to say Romans 13 it doesn't really apply to us. It applies to them during a time when everything was good. But at the same time, Paul is trying to warn Christians that we, we can't respond uh, in violence. Now, is Paul telling us that or just telling them that? Now, it's almost like they're saying, hey, hey, Christians, submit to the government. But be prepared, bad things are coming, but when it gets there, don't respond in violence. So is it just for the people at Rome or is that for Christians at all times? So it, it's been a little frustrating trying to figure it out, but we're, we've reached the part of the article. I know that's 18 minutes, really just kind of giving my thoughts, but now they want us to move on to the uh, scriptural context, the scriptural context, and their argument is that we cannot, in fact, I'll read this. This pass, the passage at hand, Romans 13, only makes sense within the overarching context of Romans 12, verse 9, to chapter 13, verse 10. So they're like, we can't even understand this until we look at the context. Now, I got no problem with that. I got no problem with it. But let me just make it very clear. The same principles of submitting to government is put forth not only in Romans, but in Peter and in and other writings of Paul, I think Titus, I think we looked at, and other places as well. So this is not a one-time situation. 
This is not a one-time situation. It is repeated a number of times. And if it's repeated a number of times, whatever game you come up with to try to say Romans 13 doesn't apply, you're still left with the principle being repeated elsewhere. Sorry, I had to take a drink really quick, all right? Well, it, it, it's no fun when you start losing your voice and you just keep trying to, you almost try to raise your voice to try to work through it and it won't go away. Yeah, my voice is pretty weak. I've been doing a lot of teaching today, as you can tell. All right, but here we go. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm, there's a lot we could say here. Part of me wants to just go back to Romans chapter 12. Actually, let's just do this. Let's just go back to Romans chapter 12. They say it starts in verse nine. All right, so. Let's, let's read this. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Now, let me just stop right here. I'm just going to ask these basic hermeneutical questions. Is Romans 12, 9 applicable to us? That let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Is that something applicable to everyone or just to the Romans in 57 AD? I don't know anybody who would say verse 9 is not applicable. Verse 10. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honoring, preferring one another. Would that be relevant for us today? Would that be applicable today? I don't know anyone who would say, no, Romans 12, 10 is not applicable. And not only that, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Again, it's principles repeated in other places other than just Romans. So clearly we would say this is applicable. Verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Would that be applicable to us or just to the people in Rome in 57 AD? Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, uh, continuing instant in prayer, disturbing, uh, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Now this, this seems to be, now if it's written in 57 AD, had, were they not facing any persecution or had Christians already faced persecution in different ways leading up to 57 AD? But the same principle is there. Bless them which persecute you. That goes back to the Sermon on the Mount. Are, are these principles all applicable? We would say, yes, they are applicable. And we would preach them like they are applicable. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I think this is, I think this is very important. If Romans 13 is understood in light of this context, and if these verses are applicable, then why wouldn't Romans 13 be applicable? And why, and I would think in some ways these verses stress our, our submit, our, our, our responsibility to submit to earthly government in Romans 13. Because guess what? Romans, let's say Romans 13. Let's say whatever the government is. Well, guess what? Our, 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 here, here's the government. Okay. Like, like, let's just think of it this way. There's the government. All right. There's the government. In fact, I'm going to do this. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put down my Bible. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go, I'm going to look up Romans chapter 13, or Romans chapter 12, I should say. Romans 12, I think they said start in verse 9 is where the context begins. I'm going to pull up every English translation, all right? Okay, now, I want you to just stay with me here. Just stay with me. See if this makes sense, all right? There's the government, right? Whatever the government is, Nero, Biden, Trump, Clinton, Bush, Reagan, Kennedy, Lincoln, Washington, what, just whatever president is there, whatever government is in power in your particular country, because we have people listen to us in countries around the world. We have people listen to us in Japan, South Korea. I don't think I've ever seen North Korea show up. We've seen China show up. Where, whatever country you're in, there's your government. Good, bad, indifferent, Christian, non-Christian, pagan, Muslim, whatever it is. Right? But you're a Christian. A couple of things. You are not of this world. You are a citizen of heaven. Your focus is on the kingdom of God. Your focus is on the presenting the gospel, living out your Christian life. That's where your focus is supposed to be. But there's the government. Now, before we mention the government, as a Christian, how should you live? Let's go through these. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. New Living Translation of Romans 12, 9. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Uh, ESV, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil. Berean Study Bible, love must be sincere, detest what is evil, cling to what is good. King James, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. So what is your response? Whatever the government is, whatever the government is, you're in the middle of a pandemic. Let's say you're in the middle of a global pandemic, right? And let's say the government is saying, hey, if you go to church, you got to social distance, you got to wear a mask, and you can only have 25% of your congregation present at any given one service, all right? Let's say they give these rules. So what should you do? Well, here's what we do. We love, our love must be sincere. We, mu- we don't just pretend to love other people. We love them with genuine love. We're supposed to love people. No matter what's going on, we're supposed to love people. We are to hate that which is evil and cling to that which is good. Love others. Hate evil. Cling to that which is good. All right? Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So what should we do? No matter what the government is, you should be devoted to one another. You should love each other with genuine love and you should honor other people above yourselves. In other words, in the middle of a pandemic, what do you do? You, it's about loving people. It's about thinking about others before yourself. It's not about thinking about your rights. It's not about you determining what you have to obey. You think about other people. What do you need to do during a pandemic? Show love to other people. Place other people before you. It's just not about you. See, so all of that would be applicable, correct? Just stay with me. Just stay with me, right? Verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. What what do we need to do no matter what the government is? 
is not be lazy and slothful when it comes to the things of God, but serve the God with zeal, with passion. That's irrelevant to the government. Who cares what the government is doing? We're loving people. We're putting other people before ourselves. We are hating that which is evil. We're clinging to what is good. We're not being lazy, but we're serving the God with zeal and passion. This, This seems pretty straightforward. All of this would be applicable. Verse 12. Uh, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. So during a pandemic, whatever is going on, guess what? We show joy. We have hope and confidence. And we show patience in the affliction. We show patience in the tribulation. And we're faithful in prayer. We're loving people. We're putting other people before ourselves. We're hating that which is evil. We're clinging to what is good. We are rejoicing. We, we have a, a fervor in our spiritual life. We are, we are showing patience in that trouble and we are praying. These are all like very basic things. All of these principles apply obviously way beyond 57 AD. They apply throughout the whole Bible. These are principles throughout the whole Bible. And they say this is the context of Romans 13. Just just stay with me, okay? Now, verse 13. Share with the Lord's people, Romans 12, 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Romans, uh, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So what do you do during the middle of a pandemic? How can you share with the Lord and with people who are in need? How can you help people? How can you be assist people during a pandemic? That, that should be our focus. Again, the government's in place. This is all, this is all being done regardless of what government's in place. These are things we do no matter what the government is. Our focus is on, well, what do we do with Romans 13? Do we obey? How about we go back to Romans 12, 9 and we start following all of those things before we even argue about Romans 13? Before we even worry about what the state is doing. This is what the church is supposed to be doing. We always worry about church and state. How about we worry about this? Let's the church focus on what the church is supposed to be doing and not worrying about what the state is doing. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. Here's what we do. If we're being persecuted by that government that is in place, we bless them. We don't curse them. We bless them. We don't curse them. So during a time of a national crisis, during the time of a pandemic, has the church been a blessing to the government or have we simply cursed it, talked down about it, joked about it, mocked it, disobeyed it, and caused trouble for it? I can say this. The last thing government needs during a pandemic is some church causing issues. I mean, let, let's, let's put this in context to Romans 13, right? Let's, let's do that. I'm all for it. Let's, let's go to town. Let, Romans 12, 9 and following, that's what the church is supposed to be doing before we even get to the state in chapter 13. Bless them that persecute you. Are you being a blessing? Blessing. If you're a church in Canada and you're very upset with the state, what are you doing to bless the state? 
If you're in California and you're upset, upset with the state, what are you doing as a church to bless the state? Or what are you doing to make a name for yourself? Talking big and mocking on your YouTube videos or to, or to see how many people you can pack into your sanctuary to prove a point. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make lots of friends with this. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Verse 16, here we go, here we go. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. New Living Translation, live in harmony with one another, ESV. Live in harmony with one another, Berean Study Bible. Live in harmony with one another. Berean literal Bible, minding the same things towards one another. Be of the same mind towards one another. I'll continue. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. New Living Translation. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Living so during a pandemic, what there's the government. What should we do? Well, we should be li- trying to live in harmony with one another. We shouldn't be so conceited and arrogant and full of ourselves. I've seen a lot of arrogance, boasting, proud, mocking, condescending, rebellious. I haven't seen like. Loving other people. I mean, we, I literally, we saw, we listened to the audio of someone saying, if you come to this church and you wear a mask, you're going to be asked to leave. Is that loving? Is that being in harmony? Is that being godly? And it's like, oh, we're, we're, we don't wear a mask in this church. And so, well, wait, what about people who, who, like for me, can't even get vaccinated? What about people who have underlining health issues where COVID could be absolutely devastating and deadly for them? Does anybody in the church care about those people? It's almost like the attitude is, hey, there's, there's five of you. You've got underlying health issues. Well, you know what? You just stay at home. You stay at home. We're coming to church and we're not wearing a mask. Who cares about you? Wait a minute. Why wouldn't you say, wait a minute? We want to put others before ourselves. You know what? You've got underlying health issues. We'll wear a mask. We'll, we'll, we'll lessen the number of people in each service so that you can attend safely. We'll do everything we can to help you. No, 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 no. It's not about helping other people. It's about making a spectacle of ourselves and showing, uh, showing that we are arrogant and proud. That's what I've seen during the pandemic. And I keep connecting this to the pandemic because it's the pandemic that really became the catalyst for all of this new interpretations of Romans chapter 13. Go to verse 17. Do not repay anyone for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Has the world seen the church acting in an honorable way? Hey, man, this pandemic is bad. People are lonely. People are scared. People are losing their jobs. That church over there is acting in an honorable way. They're showing love. They're showing compassion. They're not showing arrogance and conceit just to make it about them. They're making it about everyone else. The church decided we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're going to make it about ourselves. It's about us, our rights. We don't care about anybody else. That's literally how the church has acted. 
This is all before we get to Romans 13. All right. Let's go uh, to the next verse. Verse 8. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the Greek now, the Greek text. That's not going to help me. Let's go to verse 18, back to the English text. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is Romans 12, 18. Do all that you can to live at in peace with everyone. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Before we even get to chapter 13, you do everything in your power to live at peace with everyone. Why end up in conflict with the civil government? You may have to, but have you done everything in your power to live at peace? What I saw this and over and over, when, whenever Romans 13 gets uh, brought up, it's so crazy. It's Everyone does this logical fallacy of this either or situation. Let me explain. All right, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Our hospitals are at level five, level six, critical or emergency level. We have no more ICU beds. We're in bad shape. All right, this is what we need to do, city, state, whatever the case may be. We need to follow the following guidelines. So here's what we're asking people to do. Wear a mask, social distance, and if for buildings uh, that have over 100 people, or whatever the case be, whatever size building you have, you can only be at 25% capacity. So 25% capacity, wear a mask, social distance. That's what we require. And here's what the church did. No, 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 no. Can't do any of that. It, 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 this is what's so crazy. It, they do either or. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to wear a mask. We're not going to social distance. We're not going to limit the number of people because we're the church. We don't have to listen to you. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where's about loving people? Where's about trying to live peaceably with people? Where, where, where's not being conceited? How about like, okay, they're not telling us what to do. They're just, they're, they're, they're just asking us to do these things. We can pull that off, right? Hey, everyone wear a mask. That's simple. Oh no, I, I've already seen how that goes down. Well, if, you're, if we're gonna wear a mask, we're not coming back. What? If you're asked to wear a mask, you won't come to church? Wow, man, your Christianity is right up there with, I don't know, useless. Okay, so so there, there's one thing. Uh, wait, social distance. Well, we're not going to do that social distancing. That's stupid. Okay, okay. We didn't ask you to act like a teenager. We asked you to act like an, a mature adult who's spiritual. Wait, you're saying we can only be at 25% capacity. That is ungodly. That is wrong. Wait a minute. All you got to do is have to get a, at the full 100%, how many, let's see, 25% capacity for one service, a second service, that wouldn't get us to now 50%, a third service would get us to 70, uh, oh wait, four services and we're at 100%. So just have four services spread out through a Sunday after, through a Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, four services, everyone can go to church. Oh wait, since, since that may not work for everyone, here's what we'll do. We'll do four services on Saturday. We'll do four services on Sunday. We'll do four services on Wednesday. We'll give everyone the opportunity to attend. You can be safe. We're following the rules. Everyone wear a mask. We social distance. We keep everyone. And people are like, we can't do that. That's not right. The church has to worship together. You're like, wait a minute. So if a church has more than one su a Sunday service, 
That's right. Like, I hate when I, when I hear people say, the church has to worship together. Have you ever seen a church on a Sunday morning versus co- compared to a Wednesday night? Not everyone shows up. So obviously people don't think they have to worship together. But see, the church could, wouldn't even be willing to try to do any of these things. Like, we're not going to do any. We're just going to break the rules. Now, look, some states may have gave rules that you felt like you couldn't follow. But you know what you could have done in private without the cameras off? You could have called and said, hey, can I meet with the city council or meet with the mayor? And say, look, here's the situation. We understand the pandemic is a serious thing and we don't want to hurt anyone. We'll do everything in our power that if anyone in our church has it, we will report it immediately. We'll even report it directly to you. We're going to do, we're going to make sure we do tracing to make sure no one has it. But here's what we're going to do. Everyone's going to wear a mask. We're going to social distance. And this is how many people will allow in each service. Can you work with us? Can you work with us? What can, what, what can you, how can we work with you so that we can live peaceably with you? But see, to even say that, they're like, you're some kind of liberal, communist, Marxist. What kind of garbage is that? I don't know. That's, that's not even Romans 13. That's Romans 12. <laughs> right, right. So the church could be doing all of these things during a pandemic. Oh, that's verse 18. Let's continue going. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of, say how many verses here? 21 in, in chapter 12. Let's go to verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, saith the Lord. All right, obviously don't use violence. Don't fight back. Don't do anything like that. I think we could, we should, and that would, we would think that's applicable to us, right? Not just 57 AD. Verse 20, uh, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, Feed him. If he is thirsty, giving something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. So if you thought the government was against you, what were you doing to help the government? Hey, this government's persecuting us during this pandemic. This, this government is out of control. It's tyrannical. Well, what were you doing? Were you, were you feeding them? Were you giving them drink? What were you doing to help them? What were you doing to bless your enemy? What were you doing to bless those who persecute you? What were you doing to demonstrate that you're trying to live peaceably with all men? See, see, I don't even need Romans 13 at this point. I don't even need Romans 13. Verse 21, do not, overco- do not be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. All right, so let's say you felt that the government was against you during the pandemic. How did you overcome the government by doing good? It was like, we're gonna sue. We're gonna fight them in court. Why didn't you f- overcome them with your love, with your generosity, with your compassion, with your humility? No, no, no. We're going to fight. We're going to disobey. We're not going to listen. Oh, we're not going to report when people in our church have COVID. We're going to cover that up. See, forget Romans 13. Forget Romans 13. Romans 12 should get, that tells you what the church is supposed to do. That tells you what the church is supposed to do. We want to worry about what the state is doing. We want to do, we want to worry about what the government, how about the church stop worrying about the government and start worrying about itself? Now, let's go back to the article. Context. All right, here we go. Let's see what they're going to do with the context. I think I just, I think I just made it very, I just think I preached a sermon. 
right? I think that's very convicting on all of us. All of us fall short of everything just listed there. There's not a church that ever does any of those things right. We've all fall short. Some churches do more than others, but we all fall short. All right, here we go. The passage at hand only makes sense within the overarching context of Romans 12, uh, verse 9 to chapter 13, verse 10. I I didn't go all the way down to chapter 13, verse 10, because we'll break that down as we move forward. But just that which precedes it, that's, that's what your responsibility as a Christian, forget the government. Although Paul undoubtedly changes topics at chapter 13, verse 1, the thematic links between 13, 1 through 7 and 12, 9 through 21 are difficult to ignore. Okay, so here's the thing. Clearly, he changes themes in chapter 13, but there's some, there's some thematic overlap. And because there's some thematic overlap, then we're going to pull these together. Now, it, it, it's just really interesting on what, he's going to, what they're, they're going to do here. He says, uh, you, we have evil and good occurs in Romans 12, 17, 21, and chapter 13, 3 through 4. We have wrath is mentioned in chapter 12, verse 19, and chapter 13, verse 4 and 5. Also, conceptually, vengeance is mentioned in chapter 12, verse 19, and 13, 4. It is therefore quite reasonable to see a connection between 13, 1 through 7, and 12, 9 through 21. All right. I'm not going to argue. I mean, they're similar words. That's fine. Say there's a connection. My argument would be this. 12, 9 through 21 is specific instructions and how Christians are to live. These instructions go way beyond Romans 12. They show up in other parts of the New Testament, going all the way back to the Sermon on the Mount. This tells us how we are to live. We fall short of this. Praise God for God's grace because we fall short of this. But this is what we're called to do. And let me make it very clear. Forget the government. Forget the government. I, I've tried to see this over and over about the pandemic when everyone wants to argue about Romans 13. I'm not even worried about what the federal government is telling me to do. What is my moral responsibility? It is to love people. It is to protect people. It is to put others before myself. It is to live in a way that brings honor to Christ even before the community. It is to demonstrate love even to my enemies. It is to try to live peaceably with all men. These are all my responsibilities according to Romans 12. Forget what the government even says. Chapter 13, the government now enters into the scene. Now let's see how they draw the connection between these two. Let's see how they draw a connection here. All right. Um, the link between this passage and the preceding one is, uh, and the one immediately preceding it, however, should not be overshadow should not overshadow the importance of the thematic verses earlier in chapter twelve, verses one through two. The, there, Paul effectively redefines the people of God as no longer just Jews, but as Gentiles as well. Now we could we could get into a whole discussion right here, but okay. This is a common enough theme throughout the entire epistle and in almost all of Paul's writings. But in Romans 12, 1 through chapter 15, verse 13, it is of particular importance. Having spent the first 11 chapters of the epistle explaining the identity of the people of God as a mix of Jew and Gentiles and defending the covenant loyalty of God in the process, Paul now devotes chapter 12 through 15 to redefining the rule of life of the people of God. Okay, now we can... We can get into all kinds of all kinds of issues here about eschatology. How do we identify Israel? Fine, I'm not going to get into all of that. Great, but but he he says that in chapters 12 through 
through 15, we have rule of life of the people of God. So these are the rules the people of God are to follow. Are we to follow, question, are we in 2022 to follow the rules in chapter 12, verse 1 to chapter 12, verse 21? Are we to no longer be conformed to this world? Are we to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice? Everybody would say amen, not just in 57 AD. So if everything in 12 is applicable to us, then why wouldn't chapter 13 be applicable to us? All of a sudden in 13, it's no longer applicable. Hey, everything in 12 is applicable. Everything in 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, all applicable. Chapter 13, dun, da, da. We can find a way around it. Well, even if you find a a way around chapter 13, chapter 12 would be telling you what you need to be doing no matter what government was in power. But let's see what he has to do. They do here. Paul proclaims love as the fundamental moral imperative in human relationships, urging his readers to pursue harmony and peace, and then redefines in chapter 13, verse 17, how the people of God in the church at Rome should relate to the power structures of the society which they dwell. Now, please note how, how this seems almost subtle. Not, not saying this is what's intended, but this is how it reads to me. Okay, here's all these rules. But then in chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, note how it's, remember, in, in chapter In chapter 12 through 15, he says, these are the rules of life of the people of God. This seems to include everyone. But when he narrows in on chapter 13, watch the little bait and switch that goes on here. And Romans 13, one through seven, how how he redefines how the people of God in the church at Rome should relate to the power structures of the society in which they dwell. All of a sudden now it's like, no, just this is just for the people at the church in Rome. Wait a minute. Chapters 12 through 15 already stated in this, this paragraph is that these are the rules of life for the people of God, for everyone. But why, why now we just stress the church at Rome? Oh, because we don't like chapter 13. I mean, give me, we got to get around chapter 13. I mean, come on. We got Democrats in office. We got to get around it. We got to get around it. Romans 12, 9 through 21 is one of the most loosely constructed passages in the entire epistle. This means that it would take quite a bit of time and space to comprehensively analyze the syntax and detailed meaning of the passage. However, some general observations are in order. Now, they're the ones saying it's connected, but they're saying this is a, is a very loosely constructed passage. It may be loosely constructed. I think everyone can make out what's being said here, right? I'm just going to go through. Um, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go through some of this the th- uh, because we're running out of time. The thematic verse, the, th- th- can I read this correct? The thematic verse of the passage is 12.9. Love must be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. From there, Paul emphasizes the important manifestations of genuine love. Mutual devotion and eagerness and showing honor. Enthusiastic spiritual service. Hopeful joy and persistent prayer in the face of suffering. Hospitality meeting the needs of the saints. Harmony is commanded within and outside the church, extending even to our persecutors. Instead of responding in kind to their perse- perse- to the persecutors, we uh, we uh, we must overcome them. Uh, we must not. Hang on, let me read this again. Instead of responding in kind to their persecutors and therefore being overcome by evil, Paul urges them to live peaceably, 
forbidding them from taking vengeance into their own hands. Instead, the Roman believers are to overcome evil with good. And this is illustrated. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, this is very important. Now, there he kind of went back to the, to the people at Rome. This is applicable for everyone. So when we talk about church and state, let's talk first about the responsibility of the church and how we are to act, how we to conduct ourselves, how do we to handle ourselves. We want to argue all day long about the government, about the state. How about the, the failure of the church? We always talk about the failure of the government, failure of the state. How, you want to talk about the failure of the government during the pandemic? How about the failure of the church? Oh, I'm not supposed to say that probably. Here we go. At, the, at this point, after 1221, most modern readers of scripture are confronted by a large and perhaps a subject heading such as submission to civil government. The advantage of verse and chapter divisions for Bible reading and study are well known. However, the chapter division here has had detrimental effects on the exegesis of the passage. All right, so they're saying this chapter division has caused us to misunderstand Romans 13, right? This has caused us to misinterpret Romans 13. So if we obliterate the chapter division, is that going to dun da 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 We now understand Romans 13, We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. How have we misunderstood Romans 13? How have we abused it? All right, here we go. Although seemingly a very minor change, it puts undue emphasis on Paul's supposed change of topic, prompting the interpretations of many that this is Paul's comprehensive theology of church and state relations, ignoring the passage's context and the historical situation of the original audience who would have heard this epistle read without the explanation of a chapter division or subheading. All right, so they're saying this causes misunderstanding and it puts, and what we do, we get to Romans 13 and we put all of the emphasis on submission to the government. And that's, and we, and we remove it from its historical context. Well, okay, well, in Romans 12, 9 through 21, do, do we need to put that back in its historical context and leave it alone for us, or do we not apply it to us? Do we put 12, 1 and 2 in its historical context and forget us? I think everyone says that these are applicable not only to the people at the Church of Rome, but to us because these principles are applied throughout the Bible. But we get to chapter 13. Oh boy, we got to be concerned. We got to be concerned. We got to be concerned. Because for crying out loud, we don't want to be told to do something we don't want to do here, right? Now, I'm not saying that's the attitude of the person writing this article. What I'm saying is this the attitude of the age in the church when it comes to Romans 13. But let's see what they're going to say here. Okay, here we go. Romans 13, 1 through 7, it's most naturally read as the unpacking of the principles of 12, 9 through 21. In the context of how Christians in Rome should behave in relation to the powers that govern the society in which they dwelt, it answers the implied question after 12, 9 through 21. Paul, if we are to do these things, love genuinely, pursue harmony and peace, 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How should this apply in regards to our relationship with the rulers of our city and empire? Now, that's, that's suggesting that that's the, that, that what they're suggesting is that this is how you read, read, you read Romans 12, nine through 21. And then at the end, someone would be like, well, wait a minute. So how do we do those things in relation to the civil government? Now, they're, 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 so they are implying, this person, is that 13 is answering a presupposed, that, like they're presupposing the question. Now, I don't know why you're forcing the question there. Like they're saying like, no, 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 13 is answering, okay, wait a minute, all of those things I just told you, this is how it relates to the government. Now, I, I don't know if... That there's a lot of presupposition there, right? Because typically Paul, what he would do is like, someone may say, right? I mean, in, in the writing of Paul, in Romans, does he not do that? Some may say, should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. So if he's answering a presupposed question, why would we say, some may say, well, should we love, you know, bad government? I mean, what, what's the answer to the question here, if it's, if it's the question? This seems like, this almost feels like doing everything in your power to convolute a very seemingly clear passage. But okay. All right. Um, the specific rules that govern the theocracy of ancient Israel no longer held sway to the international and multi-ethnic body of Christ, as noted above. The situation in Rome, although relatively peaceful, was still quite tense within and outside the church. Jews and Gentiles were struggling to remain unified in the Messiah in spite of their cultural differences. Furthermore, Jews in Rome, only recently allowed back into the city, may have been culturally stigmatized as superstitious and unwanted. Tensions were building because of indirect taxation, and Jews in Palestine were growing more and more rebellious. It's not therefore hard to imagine why Paul felt the pastoral need to apply the principles of 12, 9 through 21 to the realm of society and government. A perfect storm was brewing underneath the surface, one that could put the Christians in Rome at odds with not only each other, but with the Roman Empire itself very quickly. If the believers there tended towards promoting social unrest, perhaps due to an over-realized eschatology that would want to usher in the kingdom of God by overthrowing Roman rule. If the Christians in Rome made a wrong move, evil could, could quickly overcome them. All right. You, you, you could make some, I, I got no problem trying to make this argument, but I would just say, hey, Christians, this is how you're supposed to act. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Oh, Christians, this is supposed to, be, this is how you're supposed to act in regards to government. I, I, I don't, is it, is it really that complicated? I, I don't know. All right. Um, with a f- full analysis of the argument of the text at hand, uh, is, uh, is, while a full analysis of the argument of the text is at hand, at hand is beyond the scope of this essay, a brief trace of the thought flow of Romans 13, 1 through 7 will aid in comprehension of its contextual, contextually appropriate meaning. The general command to submit to the authority is found in 13.1 and is repeated in 13.5. The first reason for this submission is that the authorities have been appointed by God, 13.1b. 
Logically, then, those who oppose the authorities oppose the ordinance of God, Romans 13, 2. The consequences of disobeying the general command, therefore, is God's judgment, Romans 13, 2. That seems to be very simple, right? Obey because God appointed the government. If you don't obey the government, you're disobeying God. That seems straightforward. The second reason for submission is that the rulers are servants of God to command good and to administer retribution to evil. Although these two verses can also be seen as support for the claim that those who resist the authorities can expect judgment on earth. All right. That's true. The text does say one of the reasons we should obey is that government is there to really punish the evil, not the good. Government doesn't always do that because government is made up of evil people. We all know that. Paul then reinstates the main thesis of 13.1 through 4 and 13.5, urging his readers to submit because of wrath. They would face judgment if disobedience. and conscience, they would be opposing God's ordinance. He then closes the paragraph when the appeal to the reader's current practice of paying taxes and submission to the government, urging them, therefore, to continue respectfully in what they have been doing. 13.7. When unhindered by the chapter division, it is easy to see how Romans 13, 1 through 7 relates to chapter 12, 9 through 21. The genuine love commanded in 12, 9 would be quite hard to apply to the impersonal institutions of the Roman government. On the other hand, it would have been quite easy for the rebellious attitudes of the Jews in Palestine to seep into the Roman context, promoting the Roman Christians to rebel and try to institute the kingdom of God in opposition to Roman rule. Paul steps in, oh, we're at an hour. All right, uh, I just got to read two more paragraphs. Paul steps in and applies the principles of nonviolence, non-retribution, and enemy love to the context of government and society. In order to overcome evil with good, when it came to Roman powers, the believers in Rome were not to rebel violently or cause unnecessary civil unrest, but to submit to the governing authorities with an acknowledgement of God's sovereignty over the said powers. I agree with all of that. All of that sounds exactly like my position about government. Sounds exactly the same. It would be a mistake, however, to go to the other end of the spectrum and urge that Paul is urging his audience to give unthinking and critical approval of everything the Roman government did. As mentioned above, Paul was more than willing to critique governments and empires for the sake of God's kingdom and the cause of Christ. So, Everything they said up to that point, they really keep almost making my point. Then all of a sudden says, wait, 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 wait. It's not saying that they, that they should ever not be critical. Well, whoever reads, very few people read Romans 13. It says, never be critical of the government. Never says that. Nobody would say that. It would argue, here's what you, no matter what the government is doing, you focus on your behavior. Romans 12, I would say verses 1 through 21. You focus on what you're supposed to do, right? You submit yourself as a living sacrifice. You're no longer conformed to this world. You're, but, but, but you be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Go on and on and on and on and on and on and do all of those things. Love, live peaceably with people. And then you are to submit to that government. It doesn't mean that you never say that the government's doing wrong. There's times you would have to condemn the government. The point is, based off everything there, what is your responsibility to the government? It's to live as a Christian in such a way that you would actually be blessing even those who persecute you. To show love, doing good, doing everything so that you would bring honor, that people would look at you in an honorable way and that you are to submit. That's the general principle and the general rule. So then you ask, well, do I, do I always have to obey? 
then you have to stop and go, okay, what else does the rest of the Bible show? Well, the Bible at times shows some people disobeying. When did they disobey? Look for this very specific things. Well, if someone's telling you to go out and murder people, well, you can't go out and murder people. All right, so that would be a good place to stop. Oh, wait, wait a minute. They say you can no longer preach in the name of Jesus. Okay, well, that's going to be a problem. Wait, they tell you you can no longer pray. Okay, well, that's going to be a problem. Those are specific examples. Now, we're going to have to stop right there. So in some ways, the, the article is proving my point very well in many cases. It, it seems at times it wants to say it's not applicable, but then in other ways it seems to say, it's like, I guess it, it, in some ways it's trying to say, well, none of this is applicable to anybody. Well, at that point, you're destroying all of chapter 12, all of chapter 13. Why don't we just throw out 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. Why don't just throw out the entire book of Romans? So I, 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 it'll, I, I just got to get to the end of the article and see what they dog, their dogmatic conclusion. I will say Romans 12, 9 through 21 tells you how to live no matter who the government is. Chapter 13 clearly demonstrates that as a Christian living a different way, you're also going to respond to government in a very godly, respectful, honorable, humble way. Paul's not here to give you every example of when you can disobey. He's focusing on your obedience, not on when you can disobey. Uh, Many Christians approach Romans 13 like teenagers approach verses that condemn premarital sex. Well, how far can I go? Well, the verse here is not trying to tell you how far you can go. The verse is just saying, don't have premarital sex. But, but, or some people when it comes to drinking. Okay, so I can drink, right? Well, this, this verse just says, don't get drunk. I know it says don't get drunk, but but if I have five beers in a 10-hour period, is that good? Is that, we always want to know how far we can go. So what some people, Romans 13, let's focus on, wait a minute, this is not saying we should always obey. It can't be saying that. So we've got to, we got to immediately figure out when we can disobey. Instead of worrying about when you can disobey, how about first worrying about obeying? How about instead of trying to figure out how far you can go, you worry about how far you can go to glorify God and obey God and obeying this and handling yourself in this way. All right, we're going to stop there. I didn't want to spend an entire hour on that because I'm telling you, I'm just, it's like, no matter what I, uh, here, I look, I already know, I guarantee you, most likely there are already emails in my email inbox about Romans 13 and someone's going to try to argue. They're going to try to argue and find some way to say, it doesn't apply, it doesn't apply, it doesn't apply. And it's just like, what, what's even the point now? What, I don't, it, it's, it's just, it's maddening. But I, I think, okay, fine. This would be my argument. You're right. Throw out Romans 13. Throw it out. Now, you go obey Romans 12, 9 through 21. <laughs> right? Because I think Romans 12, 9 through 21 will lead you into acting completely different than the way some Christians have tried to act during a pandemic. All we care about, Romans 13 doesn't apply, so we don't have to follow any of the rules. Well, wait a minute. Where's your responsibility about other people? Where's your responsibility to love other people? Where's your responsibility to do, to do good on them who are persecuting you? If you feel the government is persecuting you, what are you doing to bless them? What are you doing to overcome their evil with good? No, you just want to make a spectacle and have YouTube videos showing that we don't follow any other rules in this church. 
That's us. We're godly. Yeah, okay. Whatever. All right, that's all I can say. All right, I'll stop right there. Go ahead and email me all of your disapproval to newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I wish we would have made it further, but I think working through Romans 12, 9 through 21 was a useful exercise. Hopefully you agree. God bless.